One of you do the introduction. Uh, well, I don't know. Robbie just shat in my ears. <laughs> I didn't do anything of the sort. There is no evidence. Hello. You know, honestly, when Creepy just like does the talking before we even do the introductions, because sometimes I'll leave it in. It won't be like too super long. It won't be like a whole conversation. But like, I was thinking, I was like, you know what? That I hear that a lot in podcasts where they just like kind of just start off with the conversation. And then, and then they introduced the podcast. We're not starting off with base boosted diarrhea, <laughs> Ruben. Please, I, I mean, I, I think we should. I was tempted to keep that in. God, no, don't. I think I think we really should. Um, I think it'll be perfect. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, hey, what's up, everybody? This is the Mystery Meat Podcast. My name is Ruben, and with me is my two co-hosts, Robbie and Kareem. Say hi, guys. Uh, sup? We, we base talk- boosted. <laughs> Talking about great wholesome things on the podcast yet again. Super wholesome things. Alrighty, guys, we got another three albums for review today. For you today, we have Headless Horseman by Gargoyle Socks, uh, Toys in the Attic by Aerosmith, and a re-review because um, we we never released this review of April Fools by The Scary Jokes. And then we're also reviewing the God of War Ragnarok OST. Yeah, it's gonna be really fucking bitching. Goddamn right. Goddamn right. Anyways, uh, how about we start it off? Uh, Kareem, what do you got for us? All right, all right. I'm gonna knock your socks off and teach you about gargoyle socks. <laughs> you know, there was an animated series. It was a really good series. It was. Yeah, it was really good. He's talking about gargoyles. Oh, gargoyle. no connection okay. to the band. Yeah, oh, gargoyles. Okay. You well, dumb. You. You uneducated. No, the, the show has um, nothing to do with the band. Yeah, I was. The yeah. band is better. Goober. All right, so I'm gonna say right out of the gate, I don't have that much information on Gargoyle Socks as a band or the individual members, but Last.fm, the website that kind of like talks about some of their certain bands, they had like a fun description of them, so I'll read some of that because I, re- I really enjoyed it. Uh, Gargoyle Socks was formed in the industrial wasteland of Detroit, formed out of the remains of other Detroit punk acts, and they're a gothic rock band, which goth rocks started gothic rock i should say started around in like the 70s if not mistaken and what makes gothic rock like well gothic was was more of its like darker sounds and dramatic melodies and obviously like with the name it took a lot of inspiration from gothic literature so a lot of the theming around it's like sadness nihilism tragedy that sort of stuff there's only like a name of like one person who's in this band and his name is i hope i'm getting this right jp coast Coster, and he was the front man for this band. After this band uh, split up, he became the front man for another band called the Trapdoor Spiders. I don't have any information on that band. I think they're in a similar vein as this one, but I cannot find their albums. I can't find anything. He had a SoundCloud, but all of that information's gone. But let's go on to the album. It's called Headless Horseman, and it was released in 19. 19- 86. I'm gonna say I really enjoyed this, and uh, I listened to some of their EP uh, as the master sleeps, and I, I really enjoyed that, but going back to this album, I think this was pretty fun. It, it has a really cool Halloween vibe, and I think this is pretty solid. Uh, what would you guys think? I thought it was um, pretty good. I think it's kind of depressing that, you know, we can't find anything on Trapdoor Spiders except for the scary kind, but in general, I, I liked this album. I think I can kind of see why it failed, but at the same time i do think it's really good it's kind of fun halloween-esque but also not music in a 
way. But it also came out, what, 1986? Yeah. Yeah, so it was, like, coming out as the 80s were ending, and I don't know. I don't really think this kind of thing would have been that popular at the time as the 90s were starting up. Yeah. I mean, Gotham music already is kind of extremely underground in a way. Yeah, niche. Same with the horror music in general. I do think it's interesting because I don't know if we have a lot of information on this scene they were in in Detroit, because Last FM also mentions that as well, about them being part of the short-lived Detroit Batcave scene, alongside Bill's Corpse, Dance Macabre, Shock Therapy, and Country Bob and the Blood Farmers. I'm curious how much information's on those bands, because I wonder if we can find anything. With the gothic genre itself, it stood out because of its darker sound, and it uses primarily like minor bass chords, reverb, dark arrangements for dramatic and melancholic melodies so it kind of sounds like almost like a it was an influencer for grunge because grunge kind of like came out with the darker more heavier kind of distorted sound and i could you could hear it kind of in in those gothic goth rock kind of style uh, bands like the cure the cure was gothic rock actually too uh joy division so i mean for me personally the album was actually all right i actually enjoyed a lot of it i would say for me for personal it it, it just kind of got dull as uh as i went on sometimes like it like it was fun and it would be dull and i wouldn't really pay attention and i listened to it twice i listened to the whole album twice just to make sure i wasn't like you know just being like distracted uh, the first time but that's my biggest thing I, I think it's because i don't know it's a very niche sound though i don't quite really jive with it all the time yeah i i mean i like their stuff i don't know this is i it's sad that this is only their debut album because I, I really want to see like more of their stuff i can see why you wouldn't necessarily like go back to it that often but i i really did enjoy like kind of some of the stuff they're playing with with the instrumentals like the witches that was like a interesting track where they had like these weird blipping noises i really found that fun and experimental i also really like the album art for this that i just wanted to get that out of the way because that that's why i even because i got this recommended on me uh recommended to me from youtube and the album art looks like it's a interesting take on like the headless horseman like a modern version he's just like a businessman and he's got an ak-47 and a briefcase that's how i got in i was like yep this album's gonna be good and you know what i was i was pretty dead on in my opinion Oh, this wasn't an album I chucked at you? I thought it was. But, no. um, no. I like the album cover also. I like how they did the coloring. I think it is a real statue somewhere. I don't know where. The horse looks like an American one, though. That would normally be around that area. So, somewhere Detroit. I don't think it is, though. It may honestly also be fake, considering I'm not sure where would make a statue like this. But, anyways. I it. think it's more of like a... I hope I'm using this word right. Like a allegory. Or, like, a metaphor for America, because, like, America's almost seen as, like, that business suit, you know, like, always, like, business, capitalism, and, you know, we have guns, he has a suitcase, he has a gun in his hand, he has a suit, uh, he has a suit, but he has no head, because I think, at the time, when they were doing this, they probably thought, like, the American government was, like, a chicken with his head cut off, just running ever doing this and that and this and that, and I'm thinking not using their head yeah there could be like an underlying uh reason for that is there even any like because i i was i meant to go look hunt down lyrics for some of the tracks i'm kind of curious if there is any connection there with that. so listening to some of the lyrics a lot of it would come up later in music that comes from around detroit i'm not specifically just referring to eminem but detroit in general had been on a decline for a long time slightly before reagan even so no because a lot of the like people in power sounded like a political 
musical track from what I could make out of the lyrics. I couldn't make a lot out. They kind of seemingly were going for kind of... Because when they talk about the Headless Horseman, it sounds like they're just talking about the Headless Horseman. It doesn't sound political. People in power sounded political. As the Master Sleeps might have been, because they mentioned his children weeping. I don't know. Um, You can take that how you will. But honestly, what I thought was interesting, though, also is that industrial feel that you kind of hear, I think, with a lot of Detroit music even now. And I think it makes sense. I mean, it would make sense. I, I mean, to me, it makes sense that this comes out of Detroit. I mean, I don't know. I think Detroit has, like, a specific sound. I'm not saying you can point it out all the time, but like you were saying, Robbie, I think it does. Like, it uh, kind of has a mark on it, you know? It's more so just how experimental this is and some of the genres this album falls into. It's a death rock, post-punk, goth rock, and industrial album with elements of electronic and new wave in it. I'm not exactly sure what the hell new wave is. It has connections to punk rock, disco, and electronic music. So this would have been more or less a experimental album in a way at the time. It reminds me of hair metal sort of, at least how it sounds vocally, but um, it's not. The lyrics are clearly done much better than most hair metal, generally. I think I think with hair metal, there was also, like, um, a lot of bands were also considered, when it was hair metal, for glam rock, you know, as well. You know what I mean? So kind of like, uh, it's like that posh look, you know, with the hair metal bands when they had, um, what's, a, what's a good band to represent that? I'm going to say Poison. Poison is like a glam rock band. You know, they had the eyeliner and stuff like that. It was very uh, kind of like stylish. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even even the lyrics, it was very kind of like posh. Kind of like, oh, you know, like sprinkle a little bit here and there, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. No, I, I agree with you. It's, it is very experimental. And maybe one of the reasons why it failed because it was so experimental. But I... Even in the 80s, though, like, I feel like the 80s were really progressive when it came to music. You know what I mean? I feel like there was a lot of experimental bands that came there. I would actually argue the 80s weren't experimental with music, weren't progressive with music. Honestly, a lot of what we hear of the 80s, it's mostly, yeah, synthetic shit they were experimenting with as far as music went, like synth pop. But a lot of just the hair metal and the singles, they all sound the fucking same to me. Like, there was a lack of identity for music in the 80s, almost, it feels like. I mean, we reviewed Y&T, which was a hair metal band or glam rock band sometime last year, and they just didn't sound like they had that much of an identity whatsoever compared to 90s or 70s or even 2000s or 2010s music groups or artists, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was listening, I think it's a fucking Beach Boys album that, like, they had in the 80s called Pull It, if I'm not mistaken, and that that felt like, I wouldn't have even known that was Beach Boys, it sounded like every 80s-ish band from what I skimmed of it, it was weird. Yeah, and what we saw towards late 80s actually was, yes, the birth of some genres that would be larger in the 90s. I'm specifically mostly thinking about gangster rap and horrorcore, but even then, they weren't big until, like, 88, 89. Well, yeah, I mean, even grunge, I think Nirvana, no, Soundgarden, they came out in, like, I want to say 88, and they were part of the wave along with, like, Nirvana grunge. So, yeah, like, a lot of different genres are starting. And, yeah, I think around 1986, a lot of the commercialized pop was kind of going out of style. Not pop, I wouldn't say pop, but, like, commercialized music or, like, The mainstream. Yeah, you know what I mean. 
I mean, the first Gangster Rap album was released in 1985, and we should review that at some time, but um, that's uh, beside the point. As far as Gargoyle Socks goes, I think it's possible that the reason they weren't bigger, because I can't find anything on this Detroit Batcave scene. I can only find two bands mentioned on that last FM. The other ones are just non-existent, basically, I guess. So it's like, I think maybe it's a lack of marketing, a lack of support from their label, and honestly, it's possible, and I'm not completely sure of this, so don't quote me on this, it's possible that how music was going, it was already starting to go out of style in a way. Because again, we saw things like grunge and rap, gangster rap and all that kind of born in that mid-late 80s period, even if it wasn't big. Uh, that to me sort of already shows that things are changing away from... I wouldn't say this is a very mainstream-friendly album. I don't think the lyrics are. They're very Halloween-y in a fun way, in a good way. But when you listen to it, it sounds very 80s. It sounds very early, mid 80s, like rock or metal, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I understand. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm going to start off the rating, if that's all right with you guys. I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. I enjoyed it. I thought it was very fun. Again, the only reason I'm not going to give it a 10 out of 10 is because I did think that it was a little dull in some places, and I wasn't very enthused. So, but I uh, overall, I think if I were to suggest this album, I would be like, yeah, just listen to it. Have fun. You know, you don't have to be obsessed with the band, but like, hey, you know, there really isn't a band to be obsessed with i don't think <laughs> no, no there's not <laughs> whatever the hell the detroit bat cave scene is 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 long forgotten yeah it's long gone it's lost to the pages of time i would also give it a nine i kind of have issue i mostly listen to music for lyrics and i couldn't really always understand the lyrics which was okay but still kind of annoyed me a little bit so that's why it's not a 10 from me just a nine i'll also give it a nine and yeah i can't really disagree the lyrics are kind of hard to make out but i will say in its defense that it fits the like sound they're going for you know what I mean? Like, it kind of, it, like, works in a way that I guess if, like, they were going for a different sort of, like, sound that wasn't, like, deliberately kind of, like, haunted and, like, spooky, this kind of drowned out, like, hard-to-make-out vocals would kind of, it like, it wouldn't work if it was in a different genre, you know what I mean? I think it could, but I also see what you're saying, and it, yeah, I think it sort of does fit here. And in, in a dark way, honestly, I would almost view it, like, as part of the death of 80s music. But, um, yeah, no, I, I get that. So overall, that's a 9 out of 10 mystery meat sticks, which is pretty good, all things considered. Yeah. I'm loving those, Not bad. loving those meat sticks. <laughs> Russian hot. Alrighty. Okay, um, tell us about the toys in the attic, or the ones YouTube yeah. will not demonetize us over. The ones YouTube will not demonetize us over? Yes. Oh, well, I'm not going to go into the history of Aerosmith. We, I'm going to go through, like, just a... Real quick rundown because I have talked about the band before when we did the Nine Lives album. So real quick, Aerosmith is a rock band. They were formed back in Boston in like the 1970s. It consists of Steven Tyler, Jill Perry, Tom Hamilton, Joey Kramer, and Brad Whitford. They are considered sometimes they were referred to as like America's greatest rock and roll band. And they have made many, many hits throughout the uh, years. They're a very prolific rock band. I don't think you could, back in the day, throw a stone without hearing them, you know what I mean? They were that big. They were a huge band. But to get on to our album today, this album, Toys in the Attic, this is what broke the band into mainstream. That, along with their other album that came out maybe a year after that, out of the rock, really cemented them. 
in the mainstream. Poison the Attic is their third studio album. It released April 8th, 1975 by Columbia Records. Its first single, Sweet Emotion, was released on May 19th, and the original version of Walk This Way uh, was released August 28th in the same year. And those are pretty iconic songs. I mean, that's probably if you listen to Aerosmith or if you ever heard any kind of classic rock station, you were you would have definitely heard Sweet Emotion or Walk This Way. That's one of their biggest, biggest songs. Not to get too far off track, but Walk This Way actually was one of the songs that saved them a second time in the 80s. Well, actually, what really saved them was Run DMC. Run DMC saved the man because they were declining back in the 80s. And But Run DMC, you know, they sampled a lot of like rock tracks. And I'm not too sure how it happened, but they got together uh, Run DMC and Aerosmith and Run DMC did a cover version of Walk This Way. And it's a very cool uh, collaboration. And I think it's also like probably one of the first where you really see like two genres that are clearly different. You know what I mean? You don't really think about it. You know, like not a lot of people really put them together. They didn't really put a lot of uh, those genres together. Uh, they were pretty separate. With this uh, album, it's a pretty fun album. It's also very, very raunchy. I think the one thing I could say about Aerosmith is a lot of their songs are raunchy. They talk about sex all night. We were just it, we were just talking to Walk This Way, right? If you listen to Walk This Way, if you listen to the lyrics, it's all about, you know, him trying to fucking, you know, get rid like to him trying to get nookie. You know what I mean? Like you you wanted you know, you wanted some muffin. You know what I mean? Censor that, YouTube. And then I think Sweet Emotion, just to give some background, I think Steven Tyler wrote the lyrics because he really didn't like Joe Perry's girlfriend at the time. And like he really hated her. And I think that's the whole song. Like the whole song is about Joe Perry's girlfriend and how Steven Tyler didn't like her. <laughs> What'd she ever do to him? I, you know what? There's It's what there's she a... didn't do to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it's 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 a fun it's a fun album. Like I really enjoy the the title album Toys in the Attic. I really like how that's all put together. Although sometimes I can't understand what he's saying because the way it's recorded, some of the instrumental kind of like overdoes his voice or some way that they uh, they edited it was kind of like that you know it was kind of voice stacking i don't know if that's what it's called but where they kind of like stack the voices and i feel like, oh, they, yeah, they, like they, yeah they did that kind of that special effect in that in that uh song but that's probably one of my favorites that and big 10 inch record because it's just really fun it's that really kind of like swing kind of like really fast tempo kind of like got me the strange one yeah i really love that film. jam Let's hear from you guys. What you guys got? Okay, uh, I, I was just gonna say I, I really enjoyed this, and it, it was shorter than I was expecting. I think definitely we already listened to Nine Lives, and I think this is easily better. I didn't really, I mean, obviously I've heard Aerosmith before, but you know, I didn't really get too into them. Uh, funny enough, the the way I did get into Aerosmith was from a little movie called The Smurfs uh, from 2011. I loved that movie so much, and, and they had a scene where they they're singing "Walk This Way," and I was like, "Wow, Smurfs." really fucking good and then, and i found out that like they had a whole band where they were were the cell that uh oh god <laughs> what are, where's the smurf smurf going? this way oh, smurf yeah i hate you yeah that they're singing about how yeah i used to jerk off a bunch of them I, no 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 <laughs> oh god that's not the lyrics that is basically what the lyrics are saying what am i doing walk this way is a song about wanting to fucking underage cheerleader listen 
Yeah, that's what the song is. Yeah. Anyways, um, a real young bleeder. God. Listen, I was a I was a backstroke lover, always hiding the covers. Until I talked to my daddy, he said, "He said you ain't seen nothing till you down on a muffin, and you sure be changing your ways." So yeah, blueberry or chocolate? Chip? No, it's um cheerleader flavored. That's that's the kind of muffin he wanted. Wow, and that's why he's behind bars now at the Colorado Supermax. No, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is. No, he's not. <laughs> anyway, and they tell him to walk this way. Smurf this way. Okay. Um. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, one, one, more thing, one more thing. All if right. you guys, if any of our fans are movie fans, "Walk This Way" the title was actually influenced by the film Young Frankenstein when uh, Gene Wilder kind of you know help him like move he tells him to walk this way but he goes the other way and he's like no this way you know like that's where they actually got walk this way oh yeah i think i saw that little clip yeah it's pretty cool so also don't watch the smurfs no watch the smurfs and also play the smurfs dance party on the weeds it's a pretty good game uh in all seriousness i was gonna just say i really like the album art and i really love the aerosmith logo on this one it's got this psychedelic vibe to it the way the words are all way and it's like this bright orange contrasting against this kind of more like darker muted green. I don't have too much to say because it's like the, the drawings on the album are it's just it's a bunch of toys. Toys in the attic. It, it, they, it, it's toys in the attic from the album Toys in the Attic. I I think it's a By solid the band album. Toys in the Attic. Yeah. And I, I really enjoyed this album all the way through. I really liked Sweet Emotion. I liked Walk This Way. As, as basic as, you know, I, I well, it's not really that basic, but you know what I mean. It's like the, those are unironically good songs and i understand why this album got as big as it did because i think this is really good and i really loved it from start to finish so on the album art i like it it reminds me of fantasy or alice in wonderland type of book or game or album whatever that said i i don't think there's really any skips on the album i liked it a lot more than nine lives i think i rated nine lives a five out of ten and i do think it's honestly a shit album if i had listened to this first i probably would have rated it lower i'll be honest because i I actually liked this one a lot more. It was much better to just turn your brain off to and listen to. There's no real depth here, but there doesn't really need to be. It's Aerosmith. And yeah, most of these tracks are about fucking, I mean, big 10-inch record. Do you really think he's talking about a record? No, he's talking about his penis. Yes, Uncle talking, no, no, he's talking about a record of a band that plays the blues, okay? He's totally talking about a record. He's not talking about any kind of sexual innuendo. He's straightforward. He's literal. I'm telling you right now, I've read the autobiography. Yeah, no, I uh, generally none of it is a skip, really. I don't think there was really a weak track on here. There were just ones where, like, I made random ass comments, like how Toys in the Attic reminded me of this one game Kareem and I play called Revolt, which is just an RC car racing game. A uh, big 10-inch record felt like a square dancing song probably would fit as that. Sweet Emotion was my first Aerosmith song. I didn't learn it from the Smurfs. I learned it from some 4x4 racing game on the first Xbox back in like 05 or 07 or some shit. I don't know. Overall, I'm going to start ratings, and I'm going to say this was kind of an easy 10. Yeah, I, I also have to give this a 10. I think this was really good and i i think this is definitely it, it was worth listening to I, I really had a lot of fun listening to this before i get my rating i also can say that it is called poison there but i i feel like somewhere they wanted to make it sex toys in there, but they couldn't do it oh they could have done it they just pussied out <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm obviously going to give this a 10 out of 10. Um, Aerosmith is one of my favorite bands, and this is why 
probably one of my favorite albums from them. So yeah, it's easily a 10 out of 10 for me. I would highly recommend it to anybody that wants to get into classic rock and wants to learn about, uh, I don't know, like the one of, not the most influential, but one of the most influential rock bands out there. 10 out of 10 overall mystery meets It's It's, it's our... Is that a big stick? Yeah, it's oh a big 10-inch score. Actually, big Automata is stick. the big 10-inch meat stick. This one's just a 9.9-inch. So let's talk about the scary jokes, then. Yeah. What is what is the scary jokes? The scary oh, jokes yeah. is actually, surprisingly, our second um, non-binary artist we're reviewing. They are, as far as I can tell, ran only by Liz Lehman, and they do all the singing for it. I'm pretty sure they do the instrumentals. They made the scary jokes partially as a band because... Uh, well, they wanted to get into songwriting and like they wanted to get into music, but they kept writing a very uh, they they were trying to write songs that were very complex, and then they kind of had to start with simpler lyrics and the like to get the a message across or to get into songwriting. That said, April Fools is a special album to me because not only is this actually not their first album, April Fools is actually their second album. Their first one was Bad at Math, released in 2014, while April Fools was released in 2016. Also, I'm looking apparently Abernathy is featured on their third album a lot, um, which is Burn Pygmalion, a better guide to romance, released in 2019. I found this album while dehydrated on New Year's in 2022 when I had a certain friend who's no longer around anymore. They're not dead. I'm just not friends with them anyways. And I rudely forced Kareem to listen to it. It would have been our review after, I believe, the Vanilla Ice Double review. We flubbed the recording twice, and you will never hear the old reviews. It's a very sugary-sounding album. It's very saccharine-sounding. Ending. The instrumentals remind me a lot of 808 and Heartbreaks by Kanye West, but different. It feels experimental in that similar way, and depressing and sad in that similar way, but it's not auto-tuned to hell. Like, there's no auto-tune on here. Liz is able to sing a pretty damn well, and I think their voice is able to carry a lot of this. It feels uh, very much like children's songs in a way. It has that vibe to it, but every song, the entire album is essentially about being October. It's about dealing with abuse. It's about dealing with a breakup, a crush. And honestly, I I think I do enjoy the album. I can't really listen to it a lot just because it fucks with my head in some weird way that I can't explain properly. The album cover I liked. That's what I first knew of the album because that's what I remembered. Listening to this thing while dehydrated, I wouldn't actually recommend being dehydrated or listening to anything while dehydrated because... It, it's really weird. Um, but yeah, no, I could honestly probably just go over individually each of these fucking tracks because I still have my notes on them, and we never really did that and released it. But um, what what did you guys think? Since last time you reviewed it, do you feel like from your notes from last time, right, and from this time, how, do, has anything changed? You think? Not really. It's a, it's an album I listen to and I get depressed, so I can't really listen to it. It occupies a weird space in my head. It's not a bad album at all. I think it's a really great one, actually. But, um, yeah. I was going to say, like, say they sound like, um, I, they, they kind of remind me of Boos. I don't know if you guys ever have seen their videos, uh, but <laughs> they kind of uh, have that vibe. And I would have to say, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I I liked how the instrumental sound. Uh, I think they have a great voice. I was surprised because, like, to me, I thought Robbie was going to give me, like, another 
rap album because i thought that's what this was i thought it was like april fools oh the scary jokes oh it has to be some weird icp off goop because yeah hey funny and and then and when i would listen to it they'd be like you know about like clown stuff we weren't gonna re-review this album because i literally have issue listening to it because my brain just goes depressed depression mode but, um no i i kind of suggested it partially because i wanted to see what it would do to your brain because i'm it, a sick fuck that confused me a little bit uh because i thought it was gonna be a rap album but then i started listening to it and i was like when's the rapping coming in about like the fifth track <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, Liz doesn't rap at all on here. And honestly, of the tracks, I think they all still hit about as hard as they did before. I will admit, I do kind of get tired of the kind of food metaphors in here a bit. And some of the tracks, like Feeling So Matri Matryoshka, I kind of could skip now. But like songs like Friends With You, Apple Pie, Icicles, Pleasure Cruise, Pink Smoke still hit really hard blood from the concrete their songwriting actually is really strong here because when you listen to it it provides this really cool contrast with the normally kind of happy upbeat instrumental which is honestly part of why i love this record yeah i mean that's what i, I kind of got out of it it was kind of like a happy it was really bubbly you know what i mean at least to me and like how you described it sugary as well Kind of like, uh, I'm not going to say bubble pop because then that would be like put it in the category of aqua. And I hate oh, it's aqua. synth pop. Yeah. Aqua is Eurodance. This is in the category of a, tri um, what was that band you suggested, Kareem, that we reviewed? The 80s one. Uh, Talk Talk? Yes, this is Talk Talk's so category. It's like synth pop. Yep. New wave. Um, yeah. To, to uh, compliment on the album art, it looks like, uh, looks like a drawing that I made back when I was like, six years old and my mom put it up on the fridge that's yeah i mean it's fun it's whimsical that's why i mean it's really whimsical and it's fun yeah it also kind of reminds me of those like cartoons from like the 2010s i don't know it has that like and and a lot of the music kind of gives off those vibes too I, I don't know how else to explain that and i i think like i ironically well not ironically i think deliberately the the album art kind of also reflects the tone of the overall album where like on the surface it seems very light-hearted if you kind of look more at like the album art and kind of look a little deeper listen more i should say to like the lyrics it's a bit more darker than like you would expect and i really like that because i feel like it's like it's not it, it works it's not like jarring that it's doing like really light-hearted instrumental with these like more harsher themes about like loneliness and depression and stuff like that i think they balance it really well yeah honestly i would almost argue this is a concept album because of how it starts and how it ends friends with you starting out it it's a song about kind of crushing but also friends and just anxious anxiety is essentially throughout this entire album and the last track kind of ends with the, the singer self-isolating in a way though there's still a line that kind of refers to the past stuff which is can't help but wonder if you're still my pal but you told me once that you would follow me into hell and oh man that place is far behind me now and i think that's a really strong line i think there's a lot of strong lines on this album in general i could pick out but it's just i think it's an album that's really worth listening to start to finish honestly i don't think there's a skip on here even if i said earlier there's some tracks i would now maybe skip but that's only because i've listened to this album front to back two or three times now yeah I think it's actually pretty good at kind of, like, sucking you in. I've also listed this a bunch at this point. I, I always end up, like, going through the whole thing usually every time I start. I, I usually don't end up skipping. Actually, Robbie, I gave it the prestigious honor of putting it in my playlist. Nice. Ooh. Enjoy being sad. 
<laughs> I, well, here's the thing. Like, I I love sad music. I genuinely love just like having a good good cry i'm not kidding like and it's not even sad music sometimes like man i've cried because i listened to over the rainbow at a certain point in my life and i thought it was the most beautiful song at that point even though i've heard it tons of times but at that point i was i bawled my eyes out and i was like oh my god this is the most saddest song i've ever heard i enjoy a lot of like maybe the depressed kind of music but songs that yeah they are sad but you know they have a meaning to it you know what i mean I don't, okay, I don't like the whiny kind of sound. Like, people that kind of just sound whiny to me. I'm not saying that, like, their issues aren't valid. I'm just saying that I just don't like the way it sounds sometimes. Like, uh, Axl Rose has a really whiny voice, and he's a whiny person. I'm I'm not reviewing Guns N' Roses. I mean, I probably <laughs> will because one of you will suggest it, but I don't want to. So, um, let's do <laughs> ratings, I think. Let's do ratings. I was kind of mixed on if I would give this a 10 still or not, but I think I am still going to give it a 10. It's a 10 for me. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Ah, fuck it. I'll, I'll give it a 10. I was kind of teetering on that range. Because before, when we did reviews, we didn't really do numbers and stuff. So I, I didn't really have like a basis when I was going through it the first time I listened to it. Be like, oh, it's this or this is how I'm feeling. But I, I think 10 isn't really that far off from my emotions yeah honestly i would have given it a 10 back then if we did numbers and now it's like I, I don't think the reasons i get slightly annoyed are enough to lower it from that so that's a 10 out of 10 overall mystery meat sticks again wow yeah. um, easy sweep that's 10 scary jokes yeah that's a lot of we will have 10 scary jokes from you next year on halloween you mean this year this year oh yeah god yeah. dang i am 2023 yeah. i'm stuck yeah, in 20. 22 when i was 29 years old uh, wake the fuck up boomerai we got a, a year to conquer okay so <laughs> uh, talk, tell us about god of war yeah, ragnarok and the oh, osd oh, oh, gamer oh, talk um gamer talk uh god of war so i mean i'm not gonna go through the whole franchise of god of war because that's a lot basically if you've ever played god of war it centers around a character called kratos who's a very uh very angry person throughout the first three games uh, actually, it's first few games. Uh, he's just a very vengeful, angry person. With uh, and it's due because the gods and this is centered around the Greek gods. So the gods basically uh, tricked him and made him kill his whole family. And so he was cursed with having the ashes of his family stuck on him. So that's why he was called the Ghost of Sparta. Uh, he was a Spartan warrior. Anyways, the whole plot to the whole three games is Kratos getting revenge on the gods and for everything they've done and everything they took from him they've really fucked with him like throughout the whole series the gods have really fucked with kratos like to no end they fucked with him they took his fucking brother from him when he was fucking a kid back in sparta basically tricked him and killing his wife and daughter they tried to kill him on numerous occasions and try to portray him on numerous occasions so yeah he's admittedly a very justified angry dude and he just kills without any thought to the consequences. And you see that throughout the first three games. I, I'm just kind of giving some context before I move on to the uh, uh, album. After he kills basically all the gods of the Greek pantheon, he disappears. Uh, in the gaming world, he disappears for quite a long time. I would say, let's say like, what, five years? 
Uh, when did the last one come out? Um, I think 2018. Ragnarok. Oh, really? It's been that long while. Yeah. What What was it? You're talking about the first God of War, the, the Norse one, right? In 2018? No, I'm no, I'm talking about uh, God of War 3. That's the end. Oh, I have no idea, 3. actually. Um, oh, God of War 3 came out in 2010. Okay. Jeez. Yeah. So, he basically disappeared after that. Like, they had another game called Ascension, but, like, it was poorly reviewed. It wasn't really that great. After that, he was he disappeared for like pretty much eight years, and then it was announced in like E3, I think, that he was coming back, and it was God of War. But this time, it wasn't in the Greek pantheon. This time, it's in the Norse saga, and he's an older guy. He he's already had his thirst for vengeance, and it didn't do him any good. Really, he still has nightmares about killing his family and stuff like that. But in the Norse saga, he has a son now. And he's a very different person. He's very brooding. He's very quiet. You know, he's very calculative. Like what Kratos does is he never does anything without purpose or without something behind it, especially when he's older. Uh, he's a lot more wiser. He's a lot calmer. He's a lot more controlled. And the music does reflect that. This is why I kind of wanted to give context. The music reflects kind of how Kratos evolved. You know what I mean? So if you listen to Kratos' theme in, in God of War Ragnarok, it's very simple. You know what I mean? Uh, I think Bear McCready, when I was watching the videos, he was saying that Kratos is a man of few words, so his, his theme song should be a song of few notes. So it's really, it's not really that complicated of a song when it's all composed together. It's a very simplified song. It's very stripped down because in reflection to the character, it's supposed to represent him. You know, and it's very brooding. It's like the... You know, like the really low bass kind of like almost not demeanoring but kind of like brooding just like really kind of just like he's gonna kill you <laughs> kind of like deal you know like when you when you hear that music like if he walks in you're like oh my god i do not want to be here right now he's looking <laughs> at me and he's probably gonna kill me he's gonna you know I mean, yeah but every what i want to say is every song in this album is attributed to a place in the game and also the feel of a certain character so like atreus's theme which is his son he gets a theme in in the second game where he didn't have a theme in the first game but he gets a theme in the second game and his is actually a very neat thing because it's basically kratos's theme song but kind of like reverse and it's more kind of like a, a major so it's more of like upbeat and you know kind of represents that he's a teenager he's coming of age kind of thing so it's really interesting once you get into like the whole context of all these songs and how they relate to each other like bear mccready is fantastic composer dude he's just really good and i don't want to give away too much because there's some of these songs are tied to really specific moments in the story and i do not want to give it away because it's it's such a compelling story i would say when it when it comes to god of war god of war has always had that way of just kind of capturing you whereas like when you were a teenager or a little kid back in like the 2000s god of war was just kind of like the thing you know like oh my god you know like get to play this dude and rip people apart and stuff like that and it was very you know like 
mostly for you know like the male the boys you know what i mean and so i i grew up with it but when you grow up with that kind of stuff and you see a character one way um, but you know that there's more to it you know it was kind of sad because at the end of god of war 3 you kind of don't get the resolve that you want he kind of doesn't you mean he achieves the goal of killing zeus you know what i mean it's just not it didn't really fulfill anything so when the remake or the kind of like restart of god of war and you see kratos now he's infinitely more threatening as a person that just kind of stands there like it, it's weird like with the music and everything put together like the character and all the characters and the story just kind of compel you a lot more that's why i want to get out out of this album the album just draws you in especially when you're playing the game like you remember like the sounds and you remember the sound uh, you remember the song because it's just it fits so well with everything do you want my honest thoughts on this album or do you want kareem to give his opinion first wait <laughs> i feel like you're gonna rip me apart and you're like hey you want to take it to cream so he can soften the blow yeah, i was about to say yeah don't throw me into the i'm not gonna, gonna rip you. you apart you're just not gonna like it i think it's a good album however i think it falls into an issue with a lot of western fantasy albums for video games where i don't think it's really works separate from the game itself and yes i do think automata's ost worked separately from the game because it was kind of designed to do that a lot of squares osts can work like that it's just with the this one i don't think it really does i think it's not i think it's good i do think it's worth listening to it's just like you're gonna kill me for this comparison but this is a good comparison because i actually like that game it reminds me kind of skyrim's ost in a way or even like with world of warcraft's podcast. osts i'm i'm quitting this podcast <laughs> um, <right laughs> i'm not no, done shut it up come back so I don't think they often function that well on their own separate from the game unless you actually know them. Like, for example, I feel like if I played the Stranglethorn Veil song from the WoW soundtrack, a lot of people really wouldn't care that much. And I, I don't know. I don't have the connection to this soundtrack that you and others have. So it's kind of harder for me to get into it because when I listen to it, I just kind of hear, oh, it's Wrath of the Lich King or oh, it's North it's Skyrim. So yeah, it's good. It's still good. It's just put the gun down, Ruben. Put the gun down. I kind of wish we went with green first. Yeah. I mean, but my opinion isn't that far off from Robbie's. You uh, asshole. I, I do think technically it's good, but I, again, I haven't played the game, and I think this is like one of those soundtracks where I think if I played the game, my opinion would be different. Because I will be real with you, Ruben. Me and Robbie kind of listened to it all at once, and I couldn't really distinguish. Now, there's some tracks that are, like, obviously different from another, but, like, there were some that I genuinely could not distinguish, and I could have been, like, you could have told me it was from something else. You know what I mean? A lot of these, I think, would fit really well in, like, WoW or Skyrim, or I'm trying to think of a third game, Ruben. Put the gun down. Why do um, you always compare it to Skyrim? Because I love that game, and it, because it's Norse, okay? I'm comparing Norse games to Valheim. That's, that's a third Skyrim. one. Valheim, Valheim. There we go. A lot of these would fit in Valheim, which also has a good soundtrack. But um, okay, I, I actually, I actually dig Valheim. I actually have Valheim. 
Yeah, and you dig World of Warcraft too, don't you fucking lie to me. This would fit in Wrath of the Lich King, we both know it. Okay, um, fine, 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 fine. It would fit in Wrath of the Lich King, which is my favorite expansion. And Broken ever. Isle, and um, Legion, but you didn't play Legion. That's beside the point, though. Um, Kareem's opinion was actually worse than mine. Oh, yeah, that, Kareem, you actually hurt me more. It's, well, it's technically both. good, and I'm just over here being like, no, it, it's, it's good, just, you know. Yeah, like, Kareem's yeah, over here thanks, calling it technically. Thanks, well, Kareem. I mean, I'm saying technically in the sense of, like, I have no issue you with it it's just i'm not like I, I don't have a strong opinion you know what i mean because it's like I, I i will be honest ruben i i didn't know what, wow. which one was kratos's theme because i did i wasn't looking at the track listings he doesn't he doesn't have a strong enough opinion wow that's kind of insulting i have a strong opinion over here and then kareem's well just i mean like i'm being a goober I, i'm just it's fantasy music <laughs> that that's all i can say and I, i'm biased towards that you guys have hurt my heart more the, the theme song today. is the first song by the way Oh, okay, then I genuinely would not have known without looking. I do want to say the only song that had lyrics, well, as some songs had lyrics, but it was a chorus. It was like a choir. But the only song that actually had lyrics was Blood Upon the Snow with Hozier. I really love that song. Honestly, like it, it, as a standalone song, I think that's that one song. Yeah, I think you could take that song and you could put it on a playlist, and people are like, "Yeah, I dig that song." You know? Oh my fucking god, Kareem, we screwed up. You never we, listened to it. We oh, stopped we? after Rabe's Lamin. <laughs> oh yeah, we did. We were like, and "Oh yeah." Kareem said, "I don't think three songs will change my mind." God damn it! God damn <laughs> it! Did. Oh my god, we <laughs> were just. We oh god damn it! I'm oh my god. Uh, <sighs> we, we were no, Ruben, uh, don't point the gun at me. Point it at him. <laughs> it's his fault. He didn't talk me out uh, of it. We we uh, were dickweeds. <laughs> you didn't listen to it. No. No, because no. <laughs> what I had gotten from it was, again, comparing it to Rat the Lich King or Valheim, I thought it was just kind of going to be that sort of Norse music. I didn't expect vocals going in, and I didn't think there would be any going out. Yeah. Yeah, there was a song. It was like the last song on the album. And it's by Hozier. <laughs> oh my god. God damn it. God damn it, Robbie and Kareem. Dude. You know what? We were gonna... That's it. That's it. We were gonna... Kareem and I were gonna sync up and say 8 after you gave it a 10, but we're all giving it a 10 now because Wait, we all... Wait, no. Up. So we're all syncing up and we're gonna say 10, no. okay? Fuck. Yeah, we're I, all I, doing I, it because... Yeah. Fuck, no. no, fuck you, Kareem. You fucking didn't listen to the Yeah, we you know what? Up. Fine. We were it, unprofessional, it, and now we fine. have to pay for that. It, it just means I won't have to draw a new fraction or some shit, so yeah, 10. <laughs> No, no, we're saying it all at once. Yeah, all right. On three. Right. One, two, three. Ten. Ten. Fuck it. It yeah. works. It works. There we Close go. It better fucking work. Um, I'm sorry, Ruben. I didn't, yeah. I didn't Dude, fucking I realize. Can't. Dude, I can't. Like, not only did you guys punch me, like, a few <laughs> times with your fucking opinion, but you didn't listen to the one song that actually had lyrics? Listen, I didn't expect this album to have lyrics in it. And I was like, okay, you know, missing out on three instrumental songs, that'll be okay. I fucked up. I speechcrafted 100 in that conversation. And Robbie... Kareem, how didn't out. you see it on the track? It says, I, Blood I Upon did, the Snow by Hozier. I genuinely never looked at listening. I, I no, let me look at this. Let me look I, at this because I may have actually fucked up. Then I genuinely never looked at it. It does say it. Hosier and Bear McCreary. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah. Bear McCreary there. plays the hurdy gurdy on it, and he fucking rocks Wait, it. Wait. Shit. Really? Yeah. 
Well then, fuck yeah, it gets a 10 for that alone. I love the hurdy-gurdy. That's a 10 overall meat sticks and a heartfelt apology to Ruben. Um, Kratos is coming to get you now. No, please. It's like if you just skipped Weight of the Fucking World in Automata and we're like, uh, the the fake lyrics don't help and it's all just a bunch (laughs) of instrumentals, Robbie. Like, no, you lose or you missed the vocal songs. God. God damn it! I feel like Robbie was like uh, when I was talking about Blood Upon the Snow. He was like, "Wait, wait a minute! What fucking song is he talking about?" <laughs> yeah, it slowly dawned on. Yeah, yeah, no, legitimately, I was like, "Oh my fucking god!" We should have kept listening. I should have ignored Kareem and made him listen. Yeah. Oh god. So the next uh, album is actually Kareem's choice, and it's not getting a ten either. Spoiler alert: it's the Sonic Adventure Original Soundtrack 20th Anniversary Edition. Well, I would. And then for the fourth uh, episode, we are going to spin a wheel like we did for Christmas to select the last video game OST we'll review for this month. We'll each put two suggestions into it. But yes, it's a secret, and we might not even show you the wheel. Yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Anyways, for next week's albums, I'm going to start off with mine. I'm going to do Royal Blood. That's the band name, and then the album name is Royal Blood. Do they have a song named Royal Blood? No, there is no fucking song named Royal Blood on it. Damn it. Shove it. Terrible. All right, and my suggestion will be It's Immaterial by Black Marble. Uh, I got this recommended to me by uh, Robbie, so, uh, and I've heard some of it. Uh, I'm going to go through it again. And it's also I remember, Yeah, it's got that kind of 80s-ish feel to it, which I really like, but it's from 2016. My suggestion is actually a five-song EP that's going to make us all depressed. It's called Losing Sleep by Secret Keeper. I feel like you just want to make us depressed. No, it's how my wheels end up just choosing depressing music. I'm not trying to do it. The wheels do it. Listen, man, I've been trying to get rap suggested, and my next four suggestions are not rap, so I'm sad. You're, you're sad because they're not rap? Yeah, I yeah. reviewing rap. I mean, I don't blame them. Wow. Wow. It's why I throw things in Kareem's DMs. It's it's like a proxy. It's why I'm about to make you two go through my review lists, and I'm going to be like, hey, see these things that were on a wheel already? You can pick these. Ha <laughs> ha. So, uh, I just want to <laughs> kind of level with you guys. So, 13 years, uh, well, almost 13 years, um, Barney was canceled, and it was the <laughs> worst. It was the worst time of my life. What it was, was it now? It was in November. It was November 2nd of 2010. I remember very vividly Barney came on the screen and he was like, hey, y'all, I'm out. And then he just packed his bag and fucking left. It was it was horrible. I was I was crushed. I was well, you know seventeen. What? I was seventeen. I was young. Well, there's never gonna be another Smurfs movie, Ruben. So I, I, I don't care about the you. fucking Smurfs. Well, I do. I don't care. <laughs> I'll be honest, I don't care about either of them. You both fucking suck. Wow. Elmo wow. is better, and you know what I mean, sucks? That sure. everyone gaslit Elmo about Rocco. Rocco's yeah. a goddamn rock. 